Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a new podcast from The Cricketer. Welcome back to The Cricketer Podcast with me, George Tavell. I'm joined, as ever, by Jonathan Trott and Philip Brown. Morning, guys. Uh, firstly, let's start with, as ever, where are you in the world? Trotty? Morning, uh, George. Uh, Brownie, I'm currently sat in my hotel room in Select. We've got our last T20 uh, this evening. We unfortunately lost the first uh, first. T20 on Friday night, which was a good game. We got a little bit closer than perhaps should have. Um, Bangladesh was sort of running away with the game, and they ended up winning by two wickets with two with one ball to spare. So it was a good game. Um, so an exciting game and a must-win game for us tonight. Rowley? Manchester. At the moment, I went, went to, uh, as Jonathan knows, I went to the T20 finals day all day yesterday and saw some very exciting cricket. I saw very excited crowds. Uh, lots of people in fancy dress, but the the cricket was great, uh, and the games kind of went down to the wire and uh, produced some fantastic photos, which is what I'm about, as you know. Good stuff, um, Trotty. What I want to talk to you about really this week, ahead of the fourth Ashes Reds Ashes Test at Manchester, is batting at number three. England don't seem to know who they're going to put at number three at the moment. Firstly, do you have any thoughts about who you would put into the role? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think Ollie Pope had done really well the last uh, last last couple of games. Ireland, you thought he was he played had a good game, a very good game. Um, and I think that position, the way that he bats and the attacking star, I think nowadays that number three position has changed. I just think they all play the same in a way within their own game. Uh, whatever suits their style of uh, play. You wouldn't say that the way Zach Crawley is exactly his traditional opener, and they just go out and play now this, the way that Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes want them. So I don't think the position necessarily dictates how a person plays anymore, um, whereas perhaps when I played at number three, it did a little bit, and what was required of you and, and the responsibility you had to, uh, um, you know, you were entrusted with. So, um it's really difficult. I don't know. I, I wouldn't know that. I think they better go with Harry Brook, Moe and Ali. Um, 
who knows what they could do this week? Ben Stokes, who maybe did. Who knows? Yeah, well, that that would be my choice, funny, funnily enough. Mm. I, I mean, that that isn't so outlandish, is it? He looks as if he's got the technique. He looks as if he's got the temperament to to pull that role off, doesn't he? Again, and we chatted about this last week, where you're trying to almost sort of fill a gap because of a a, a, a sort of need. And I I think you may lose the effectiveness that he has batting with the tail, like we've seen in the last few games. You don't want to lose that. Again, I'm not saying you don't want to expose him to the new ball, but you know, if England get a good start and he comes in at 200 for three or 204, he's probably the last person in the world you want coming in after the ball's 50 overs old and he's got 30 overs of an older ball. So, you know, you, you don't want to, uh, you know, you might be creating a problem elsewhere by trying to sort of have a stopgap up at the top of the order. So um, someone else has got to do it. You know what you were saying about uh, <clears throat> they play the same way now. And, and that's, that's largely true, you know. They play pretty aggressive cricket, as we know. Can you do that against the new ball? Is it not always going to demand a little bit of restraint if you if you go looking for it, if you go pushing for it? Yeah, and I think it does require your technique to good balls to be good, as we saw with Moeen. And, uh, you know, if your technique isn't there to keep out the good balls, I think it's more a case of putting pressure back on the bowlers and putting away the bad balls against the new ball. Whereas, again, and I'm very hesitant to say when I played, but the game seems to be very different the way that's being played now current England side is that you would perhaps leave balls that nowadays they have a swing at. You know, we think about the first ball of the series if it, with Zach Crawley smashed it through the covers. You know, if he, if he had nicked off mm. nowadays, I go, well, well, that's the way that the game is. That's, you know, we, we saw what happened when Australia took a, the wicket of the first ball of the series last um, But nowadays, I think the whole, whole way that the batsmen, the pressure put on batsmen, the responsibility and what's expected of them is a little bit different. So um, that's why I think they could put anybody at three and, uh, you know, if they did well, um, it's just like they're batting at number five or six, really. Uh, I just wanted as well to get your uh, impressions of uh, Harry Brook. Uh, he, he looks, he, he's got everything going for him, hasn't he? Uh, uh, he makes Batty look incredibly simple. Uh, he seems to have everything required does need to have a really good career what, what what do you make of him well again i've said this before I, I saw harry when i was fortunate enough to be with the under 19s at the world cup in new zealand and for me he was the best under 19 player i'd seen by a distance um i know there were a few indians what, what, whatever at under 19 level yeah well i hadn't seen many don't forget i hadn't worked i i, I had played under 19 cricket i i had okay. graham smith in my um under 19 side and a few other very good players Elvin morkel and um, obviously didn't go on and have the career that you know Graham did but um, I saw Harry in the way that he played and he was by far I mean on the 19 side had Will Jacks Tom Banton um, and a, a few other good players and Harry was by far the best player in that side but also I think at the tournament there was Prithvi Shaw from India who was also in that tournament uh, he was a very good player and uh, Supman Gill was also from India those are the two players um, wow, so he stuck out in that. In that well, yeah, company. we didn't play against India, but we watched the highlights. We could see that those two were very, very talented. But Harry was, you know, yeah. by far, the, he was playing shots at professionals, and he wasn't, he was obviously on Yorkshire's books at the time. And then I saw him opening the batting for Yorkshire in four day cricket and not playing as much. And I was very surprised how long it took for him to come through. But again, we, we got to remember that some people develop a different. Uh, rates that have different circumstances within the teams that they go into start learning first class cricket and play um so a lot of there are a lot of factors so 
Um, you know, I'm just very, very happy to see how he's playing now. And he, he certainly makes English cricket a lot better and, uh, and, and very attractive for people to play the game and watch. When you started to bat number three for England, it, it was a bit of a change for you, wasn't it? I mean, you, you had to... Well, I mean, you made your debut at six, didn't you? I made my debut at five. Um, Ian Bell moved up to three. Paul Collingwood went to four. And I then slotted in at five. And then from my second test match on, I was at number three, but just purely because there was a gap there. I'd always batted four at Warwickshire. Um, and that was fine. And I, I and so did that make much of a difference? Well, yeah, I had to adjust a little bit. And and, and I always say this, people ask about number three. I batted behind Alice Cook and Andrew Strauss. So a lot of the time I'd go in, um, I'd go in, you know, in the, the 15th or 20th over, or sometimes off the lunch, you know. But uh, when Strauss retired, there was a, I felt that there was a huge difference in the amount of times I went in early when they were trying to search for that opening partner for uh, to replace Andrew Strauss to, to bat with Alistair Cook. Um, and that no one really ever sort of, you know, took that opportunity really well, like Andrew did, obviously, to play 100 test matches. So um, my job was made a little bit harder then. Um, and and that's what number three is about. You could be in second ball, you could be in two hundredth ball, three hundredth ball. So uh, that's what makes it tough, I think. But it's always fun, you know, facing the new ball. I say with uh, with a pinch of salt. Um, in an ideal world, would you prefer your uh, more experienced players to offer to do it? You know, w- w- ideally, would you like Joe Root to be saying, "I'll go three, Because you know, I think uh, he 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 was opening the batting in, in the Ashes or ten years yeah. ago. Uh, again, because that's we're trying to find an opener. Um, he'd never really done it, I don't think. Um, but Joe Root bats number four. He's England's best player, like Kevin Peterson was for us. He bats at number four. Your best player I always feel bats there, unless you've got a lineup like the Australians had, where Ponting bats three and four, five, six are uh, are world class players as well. So um, for me, your best player bats at four. But like I think Tendulkar did it. Um, I think Lara was at four. Um, you know, I'm comparing. You know, great players are great players, yeah. and that's generally where they're back. Philip, you've been delightfully quiet. Do, do you have anything to offer us on this? Well, a bit, I've had a lovely long chat this morning. I've really enjoyed it. But uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering more about the Australian selection for this match and who's going to say Australia do bat first. Who, who are the two people coming out to bat going to be? on Wednesday, because there's a lot of conjecture about that, isn't there? There is some suggestion that <clears throat> David Warder could be left out, which I think is amazing because he's basically had one bad game. Who who do they think is going to open instead? Could be anyone. I mean, the, the, on, if Pat Cummins is in a press conference and says, well, you know, we have to look at, look at who we're going to... But basically, he said, we're going to have to look at who's going to open in the next match. Sort of, and sort of. I think it was in the context of, you know, they obviously have at least two really good all rounders, don't they? Uh, and you know, you don't, you know, Cameron Green is a is a special player, I think. And if he's fit to come back, and it looked like he was going to be, you want to find space for him. But Mitch Marsh scored a fantastic hundred. I mean, it was just. It was a really, really top-class innings. And, of course, he's also a very good fielder and a, and, a, and a more than useful bowler. So do you end up in a situation where you're trying to squeeze Mitch Marsh at the top of the order? I mean, you you, you could do that. Uh, I don't know. I, I see it as a 
um, a, a position of strength when you're in a situation where you have so many good players you're trying to squeeze them in. And it does seem that David Warner doesn't fit into the side quite as much as he used to. And, you know, we know he's coming to the end, but he still offers a lot in the field. And I say again, he has had one bad game. I don't know, do you have any thoughts? I mean, he's one of your old adversaries, isn't he? Oh, he's had a fantastic career, I think. I think it's tough. I think you've got to really remember how tough it is opening the batting in, in English conditions, um, especially in an Ashes series. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe for someone else, I'd probably care more. But um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I've got to say, really, on the matter. But the the thing is, it's interesting, you know, whenever you win or lose, there's always, you know, now it's a settled team. England can choose whoever they want. Now Australia have lost who they're going to pick. You know, there's always a lot of, you know, question marks around that. The one thing I would like to know is, has anybody been able to keep track on where the Australian players have gone these last few days? Because I think they've they've dispersed all over the all over Europe, haven't they? I think they might have. I think I, I think some have gone to, uh, as you say, Europe. I, th- I think I saw something about Paris the other day. Uh, yeah, maybe. And Usman, Kawaja and family were on a beach somewhere, something to get a picture of the whole family because the mm. oldest daughter. You know, kids can do that, can't they? They can suddenly decide this isn't the time I want my photo taken, and and turn their back and stuff. But yeah, I think they have dispersed. Is that and who's that going to benefit? Uh, you know, is that good for? Are they going to take their minds off cricket and suddenly, you know, find it difficult to come back to a fourth significant Ashes test? No, nah, no. I I I I'll give you. I'll give you a very different, a very different take on that. All I think the Australians are very different to the to the way. Certainly, when I played cricket, it was viewed. You'd go back and maybe have a game for your county or something like that. Keep playing. Where Australians are very much spend time away from the game, refresh. Very rarely did you see Australia practice the day before a test match, or even in the nets, the day of a game or the morning of the first day. You know, whereas when we when I played, and again, I'm talking about myself, and I hated this. We'd be in there, Graham. Gooch would be flicking balls at us at you know ninety miles an hour. I was to cook myself and Bell would be in there grinding away. Australians would have a bat and glove in their hand and they'd have a few underarms into the side of the net, along with the rest of the 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 world's cricketers. We always seem to be the ones in the nets training when the rest of the world seems to be sort of having a bit of time off and, and trying to stay fresh. And that's just their approach. And it's 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 always interesting to watch and compare nations around the world and the habits that each team and players have. We should take a break. Before we do that, I should say Marcus Harris is the other opener in their their squad, isn't he? But, uh, you know, whether he's in the mix or not, we'll find out in the next day or two. But uh, let's take a break and uh, and then we'll come back and um, talk about the rest of the the Ashes summer. This is the Cricketer Podcast with George DeBell, Jonathan Trott and Philip Brown. Unashamedly cricket. This is the Cricketer. The August issue of the Cricketer magazine is out this week with the men's and women's ashes in full swing. David Gower takes Mike Gatting to lunch. Ricky Ponting is interviewed in Facing Up. Izzy Wong has a chat with Tanya Aldred about an exciting ashes summer for women's cricket. Tim Wigmore says this is cricket's golden age. George DeBell gives his reaction to the ISEC report. Mike Brealey discusses how behaviour in the dressing room has changed and Barney Roney wonders if Basball is becoming a cult. This is The Cricketer. Welcome back uh, to The Cricketer Podcast. 
Um, before we go any further, it's that time. You might want to make yourself a cup of tea, make yourself scarce. Philip's got his uh, quiz for us. The quiz that people are always stopping us in the streets of Silliet or Birmingham or London and asking about it. Always. It happens all the time. They don't always do it with their eyes uh, or their words, rather. A lot of communication is non-verbal. But you can tell that's what they want to talk about, can't you, Trotty? 100%. I got, I got stopped in the road in Stilette the other day. Someone asked me about the quiz and uh, asked me how come, how come I got a certain question wrong. And I said, I'm very, I apologise. I said, I'll certainly try better in the future. Hopefully, you've been doing some uh, bit of study uh, coming up to this week's quiz. This... God, I hope it's better than last time because last time was an absolute debacle, wasn't it? Oh, well, well how, how was that? Was it because you've lost? Well, in what I don't, I don't think I did actually. Uh, oh, I think right. I think cricket lost. I don't think any nobody lost because I, nobody I think we all lost. <laughs> this 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 game you. Yeah, oh, we lost. We yeah. lost ten minutes. Felt like lost. longer. Oh dear, this is this is harsh. Uh, this quiz is called "How Many Sixes," and what it is is I'll say the name of a Test cricketer, and okay. but that that noise was the start of the quiz, by the way. I'll say the name of the test cricketer. You guess how many sixes they've hit in their test career, and whoever's closest gets the point. Okay, so we're going to start with Chris Gale. Chris Gale, how many sixes do you think he's hit? Who's going first? Jonathan. Me. Jonathan. I'll say uh, 120. Okay, I'm going to win this one. I'm sorry, what, what are we talking about? Their test career? Yeah. Well, it's definitely fewer than that. So I'm just going to say, uh, well, it's, uh, I'll say 95, but uh, it's, it's something like 85, isn't it, actually? Well, it's, it's 98. So you're right, okay. George. You were right to be confident. You have won that point. So well done to you. Uh, Thank you. One I'm going to mention is Brian Lara. Let's go, let's stop with that. Brian Lara. So you go first, George. Well, I better have because Trotty's actually gone. He's back. <laughs> uh, oh, he's back. He wouldn't miss the <clears> quiz. <throat> he wouldn't miss the quiz. <laughs> Doorbell's going again. Um, if it is Brian Lara, um, how many did we decide that Yale had? 98, did you say? Yeah. I'm going to say that uh, Brian Lara had 96 then. Okay. Jonathan? Uh, I want to go a little bit lower than 90. that, maybe. Yeah, well, 90. well done. 90. 88. So all to play. We go. Coming to the last one. So whoever gets closest with this one wins this week's quiz, which is how many sixes? Ben Stokes. Uh, I'm going to make George go first because I think he, he plays tactically. 109. 109 says George uh, and Trotty. Oh, I don't know. Uh, 105. What a shame. 123. <laughs> he scored the most wow. sixes, obviously, in the history of Test cricket. He's a hero. He's a lovely man. He's playing at Old Trafford in, well, a few hours, really. Uh, well, quite a few hours. And that's the end of the quiz. Well done, everyone. I think that went really well. I'm a big fan of this week's quiz. <laughs> well, we'll just move on from that as quickly as possible, shall we? Um, Trotty, let me ask you about Ben Stokes. Uh, it, it's, he's a funny cricketer in so many ways. I mean, I think all of us are going to agree that he's a great cricketer. I think he's a really special cricketer, uh, one of the best English cricketers I've ever seen. Uh, his record is, I mean, it's, it's obviously very good, but it, it, he's got a batting average of something like 36, 37, and a bowling average of 32 or something. It doesn't go anywhere near reflecting how good he is, does it? 
No, but I think you've got to take into account the all-round, not just Test cricket, but what he's done oh, in yeah. ODIs, World Cup finals, T20 finals, ODI finals. Um, and I think he's your typical person where the stats at the end of the the end of the, the, his career won't show exactly what he did for English cricket and how yeah. important he's been. Very similar players. I think a lot of the time he would have been as a young player. You know, you, you, if you take out, it'd be interesting if you took out and, and just had the last three years, what he averages in the last three years in Test cricket. I think it'd be a very different story. So for me, that's a, that's the one thing. And who knows what it, what it might end up being? It might end up being over forty. I think sometimes for rounders, we always try and compare rounders and, and have Jacques Cullis at the top of the list with everything. But you know, Jacques Cullis as a greater player as he was, he never won a World Cup. Sure, Trotty, who would you rather have on your side, Jack Callis or Ben Stokes? That's a tricky one. Depends on the balance of the side. That's, that's a really complicated one. Okay, a, a fully fit Ben Stokes or a fully fit Jack Callis? God, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to push you, Brownie. I'm going to ask you the same question. I would have to go. I would have to go with. That's a real tricky one again. I, I'd probably go Callis if I'm honest. In all honesty. Um, it's a completely reasonable answer, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bradley. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was thinking of going callous only because I I I don't want to share a dressing room with Ben Stokes because eventually I'd wind him up the wrong way, wouldn't I? And you wind um, up callous the wrong way as well. To be fair, you would wind up Jesus. <laughs> Let that hang in. Actually, I I was once after a test match in uh, Cape Town. The Guardian got in touch and said, "We need a picture of Jack Callis. He's only just—he's won a Test match ten minutes before, and you know he's into celebrate. Got the message to him. Came out, no problem. Where do you want me? What do you want me to do? The loveliest bloke in the world, Jack. And I thought, who else is going to do that? So, but yeah, for that, they're both. Oh, they're both. You, you, you are. You're comparing yeah. the very best, aren't you? But just on that, yeah. But also, that's that's just people from Cape Town, generally. Well, wait there, Dale Stain. Told me he'd rather have. I asked him that question. He went for Stokes. Interesting, eh? I can think of one maybe whose stats so misrepresent or so poorly represent what a a fantastic player they've been to the team. Because I'll give you one, and it's another all rounder, Andrew Flintoff. Was was, Freddie? How many fifers did he get? It was only two or three. Something like that. Yeah, and and I would argue that he was a great fast bowler for a while. I I would. I'd argue he was a great fast bowler and his stats make that look like a ridiculous argument. Uh, uh, I think we're going to have to end it there this week because um, just due to popular demand and the fact that Trotty has a flight to catch or a meeting to go into or something like that. Yeah, meeting. So listen, thank you, thank you very much. Got to prepare for the T20. Thank thank you very much for for joining me this week. Uh, Good luck with your weeks, guys. And... I uh, will hopefully see you after the fourth Ashes test. This is George DeBell for The Cricketer. The Cricketer with George DeBell and Jonathan Trott is a Sportverse production. Check thecricketer.com for future episodes or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.